The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush, rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another show of Might Radio. We have an exciting guest today called Lisa Cypress-Kamen. I hope I said that well. And she is an international happiness expert, and it already makes me smile just to say that. Hi, Lisa, and welcome on the show. Hi, Gabriella. Happy to be with you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, and your slogan of your corporate tagline is happiness is an inside job, and that makes me laugh and smile. Tell me, first of all, a little bit about your background and how you got to wanting to do this and to be a happiness expert. Well, I like to say that I stumbled upon this as a profession. I went back to school midlife to become a psychologist, and when I started my graduate degree, I realized very quickly into the program that I didn't possess what it took to have a conventional psychotherapy practice, which is what I thought I wanted to do when I started the program. Because if you think about how many of us go for psychotherapy, myself included, in different times of my life, I saw a pattern repeating itself, that we often show up on the therapist's couch or the therapist's chair with the same problems. It's just maybe a different cast of characters or a slightly different tweaked scenario. But the same issues come up over and over again. And this is common. So what I thought is there has to be a better way, a different way of approaching life that is systematically a little bit easier and helps end needless suffering. Yeah, absolutely. And people don't realize that we all have the same problems worldwide. We always think we're the only one, correct? Correct. In fact, I like to tell people we are more united in our suffering than any other emotion, actually. Because what makes us happy is very, very different. But what makes us suffer is actually pretty much the same the world over. Well, I'm going to tell you something that is really interesting. You know that I go into schools and I speak a lot to children, all ages. And every time I ask if we have happiness in common, every child will say no. And in a way, that's actually really sad that we don't have happiness in common. We only have the bad emotions in common. It's a, that's a very interesting perspective, it's, you know, out of the mouths of babes. But there's yeah. good news. There's a silver lining in all of this. And this goes back to this tagline of happiness being an inside job. Because in so many cultures, we place this concept of happiness as an external, externally influenced experience. In other words, the, the media tells us what car to buy, what drink to drink, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, 
all in the name of selling product when in fact this the the level of sustainable happiness this authentic joy that cannot be taken from us comes from that inward place yeah absolutely i as you hear the tagline of my radio we're just consuming material goods to gain fulfillment and then it doesn't give us fulfillment and we buy the next thing yeah yeah, yeah. the, the you, bowl you with the hole <laughs> You must experience, yeah. Well, you end up with a house full of stuff that you don't need. But tell me a little bit, how is your technique to actually turn that around for people? Because that would be incredibly interesting for the listener. I, I, I'm an applied positive psychologist. I use okay. positive psychology, which is a discipline within the science of psychology, the health sciences, that really focuses more on what is right with life versus what is wrong. And this goes back to that traditional um, therapeutic model where we come to our counselor or our therapist or psychologist and we complain or whine or lament over what's wrong with life, whereas these principles turn it the other way around. Okay, we know that life is hard, things bad things happen, suffering, trauma, all of these things will darken every one of our doorsteps in our lifetime. I can guarantee it and I know you can as well. But the issue is how we respond to these things when, when this happens, when life throws us the curveball. And that's where positive psychology can be hugely helpful. It doesn't minimize the negative emotions. It doesn't minimize the suffering or the need to process a bad event. But what we're talking about is how we reframe, how we transform or transcend the negative events in service to our growth. Seeing the positive side, is that what you mean? Like the, the glass is half full but not empty? Seeing the positive side, seeing the silver lining, but most importantly, what yeah. opportunity does this event, this negative event, um, give us in service to our growth, in service to becoming a, a better person, a more self-aware person, a more conscious person, a more mindful person, and ultimately a more joyful person? Absolutely. Do you have an example of an opportunity of an event that you've experienced with clients? I do. In fact, um, when I first, I have my own radio show. When I first started the show, one of the first guests I had was a man in his 70s who was a brain cancer survivor. And he was involved with raising money for um, Beth Israel Medical Center in Boston, Boston Strong. And... um, he said the best thing that ever happened to him was that he got brain cancer. And he said, look, he doesn't wish a diagnosis like this on anybody, let alone himself. But what he was able to learn from his brain cancer was to create a level of intimacy and depth of connection and the relationships that came as a result of his adventure with cancer, he wouldn't have traded for anything in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really do imagine that. But again, um, most people want to play the victim most of their lives. So how yes. do they go from not playing the victim and holding on to the victim role to that positive side that you're talking about? Well, it can be complicated for some. You know, the victim consciousness or the pity party, as I like to call it, when we get <laughs> like stuck. That. 
where we get stuck in the story. And all of us, this happens to all of us. Uh, yeah. Some of us, you know, it becomes the way, our, the way we show up in the world. And for others, it can be fleeting. But we like to stay stuck in our stories, what he did to me, what she did to me, what life did to me. And yes, okay, these are, these are truths. These things do happen. We're betrayed. Life lets us down. We're disappointed. But the powerful moment or the aha moment can come quite beautifully and quickly when we realize that we have the power to change the way we relate to the issue because that actually is the issue mm -hmm. so relationally how how would you relate to the issue in a positive way when you feel like you're getting out that you're getting something from the victim role well you know you hit the nail on the head as well by saying getting something from the victim role Being in victim consciousness keeps us stuck. And when we're stuck, we're living with the devil we know. And the devil we know is sometimes more familiar and friendly than the one we don't. And that's change. <laughs> yeah. Why is change so scary in your opinion, Lisa? Well, change involves risk. And most human beings, most, some love risk. They thrive yeah. on risk and, and the adrenaline they get from risk-taking. But most of us... Um, aren't real comfortable with taking risks, leaping into the void um, in a relationship or a situation where we don't know the, the, the certainty of the outcome. And absolutely. that's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Do you believe that there's always a positive that comes from a negative? I do, with the caveat, in that there are, there are certain circumstances that occur in life that really are heinous and un unexplicable and unforgivable and where the outcome is absolutely tragic. And you can't say why. You can't answer the why. And so I would say most of the time, yes. And then in some cases, there are atrocities that happen that there is no explanation. You shake your head. And I think the moral of the story for those who are surviving it is, What can I learn from this? How can I learn to relate to my own life and find joy in my own life, knowing full well that really bad things can happen? So how do I savor today? How do I create the best day in this moment? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So your happiness, what you're teaching is, um, and I'm reading here on your bio, The H factor. So you've created workshops around the H factor, correct? Can everyone join your workshop? We have actually Harvesting Happiness workshops. We have Harvesting yep. Happiness for Heroes workshops. And uh, the, the For Heroes is for our military servicemen and women. We have curriculums specifically to deal with combat trauma recovery. So those are available. Um, the yep. civilian workshops are available. And the H factor is your happiness factor, of course. And H factor, where is your heart, is a documentary film that I made that really explores um, the nitty-gritty of human happiness. You know, the who, what, when, where, and why of the big H, how we find it, how we keep it, how we perpetuate it, because I think it's incumbent upon us, as with kindness and the work that you're doing of compassion, to perpetuate, to perpetuate That's good emotion. Absolutely. Where can people download or buy your documentary? They can go to harvestinghappiness.com and uh, click into Shop Happy, which is our e-boutique. And we've got the film, we've got books, we have inspirational products that I've designed that are all around the tagline, happiness is an inside job. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's really great. 
Tell me a little bit about the military and how you got into that, because that, that must be really tough. Actually, it's some of the, for me, the most joyful work that I've ever done. Uh, I have personally no military background, no military history in my family. About three or four years ago, I was reading about the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men and women who will be returning home from war and the lack of services that are available to them. You know, the VA will provide some basic medical services and oftentimes with combat trauma in particular, um, because it is, it is an invisible wound of war, that there are several ways to access the healing process and some of them are conventional some of them are not the VA offers a very a distinct protocol for combat trauma recovery that includes prolonged exposure therapy which is the repetitive um, reporting of the incident that caused the trauma mm -hmm. until there's no emotional charge to it which can be very re-traumatizing for some people for some people it's very therapeutic alongside with medication and for a lot of these young men and women, the uh, thought of taking medication is not appealing. They don't want to be medicated. They don't want to be numbed. They just want the pain and the suffering to stop. So through a coaching model, which is how we teach harvesting happiness and applied positive psychology, a coaching model is mission-driven. A therapeutic model is talking about the emotions and the why of a situation, which is very important, I might add. And if somebody is, uh, is going through trauma, albeit military or any kind of life trauma, it is important to deal with the emotions. But after the emotions have been dealt with or alongside with the emotions being dealt with, it is essential to create a mission because we are, we are creatures of habit. We thrive when we have a mission, when we have a sense of purpose in life. And speaking for the military community, these young men and women have gone off to war with a mission at war, whatever that is within, within their tour of duty. When they come home, there is no mission. How do they redefine their lives and create a new mission after war when that uh, military community is no longer present in everyday life? Absolutely. And do you do this in workshops with the military in a group or do you do this individually? We do this in a weekend workshop format. We also are very proud to announce that next Wednesday, May 22nd, we are launching Reboot, which is our online community integrated combat trauma recovery programming. Um, this was made possible by a grant from Groupon Grassroots. They're our partner in this. It is free, actually, and this is what's so exciting about it. If somebody out there is a serviceman or woman or loves a serviceman and woman who is challenged, please go to hhforheroes.org and sign up for Reboot. We're offering the first cohort or group starting next Wednesday. It runs for six weeks of 90-minute weekly meetings, and then there'll be another three months of uh, post-workshop follow-up, and then we're offering a second one in June with that date to be announced. Oh, that's really exciting. And where is it located? It's online. It's, it's a it's virtual... It's online, so everyone can just join. Everyone can join That's from fantastic. anywhere in the world, and that was the idea. That's why we partnered with Groupon to offer this in a uh, cost-effective format that could be available to anyone, even somebody who is housebound. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and even people that are still military and in the hospital are going through. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's terrific. We're going to go into a commercial break, everyone, and we'll be right back.
When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the best-kept secrets for success in business and life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N. R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, we are talking to Lisa Cypress-Kamen, who is an expert on happiness. Lisa, we were just talking about the military, and one of the things that struck me that you said, and I feel that in my own life, and I'm certain many others do, is when we have a project in life and it's done, and in the case of the military, when they come back home, we kind of fall into this hole. Can you talk a little bit more about what we can do to get out of it? Well, this, this, this mission-based life, you know, living this purpose-driven life is essential. And when we can redirect all of our skills and talents and gifts and, and um, strengths into new projects that, that stimulate our sense of curiosity, wonder, delight, hope, optimism, creativity. We just tend to do better in life. You know, we're less depressed, we're more engaged, and we tend to produce more. It elevates not only our mood, but affects those around us. And this is not easily done, especially for somebody who is experiencing flashbacks and having sleep disturbances and, and um, dietary disturbances and perhaps is self-medicating with either alcohol, prescribed medications, or street drugs. Um, we, it's, an, it's a numbing process that, that's going on. So what I like to share with clients that come into Harvesting Happiness for Heroes programming is the mission may be, for the short term, creating an action plan for wellness. And that that action plan can include traditional psychotherapy counseling, can include uh, alcohol or drug rehabilitation, can include um, anger management coursework. It, it doesn't necessarily have, the mission doesn't necessarily have to be to go out and slay a dragon. You know, that that can be just a course for wellness for oneself. Okay, so the mission could be something simple and tangible immediately for them. And for some who are in, in, a, in a bad situation with their combat trauma, it's relief of symptoms. So, you know, some of the things that we can teach that offer immediate relief of symptoms are, are meditation. 
mindfulness awareness. What happens when we bring our, our brains into a calm place? We not only lower our blood pressure and our heart rate, we're calming the nervous system. We're taking the brain out of that ruminating track that is focusing on the past, which I like to refer to as the rearview mirror, or the windshield, which is the future. When we can come into the present moment, calm our bodies and our minds, we're firmly rooted in this present, which uh, the, most of the time, 99.9 tenths percent of the time, the present moment that we're standing in, when we're experiencing these stress symptoms, is safe. It's the worry of what happened or what will happen that puts us in the fearful place. This starts to release a bunch of chemicals within the body, within the brain, that takes us out of the executive functioning parts of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. It's located mm -hmm. above the left eye. It's where happiness, where emotions reside, where um, our ability to make good decision resides, and takes all of that thought process and brings it back to the amygdala, which is in the upper back part of the brain, which is the primal part of the brain, the reptilian part of the brain that is responsible for fight or flight syndrome. And that's when we get that adrenaline dumping and we're worried about our survival, not about thinking properly. Yeah. How do you get people to do meditation? Because I often find even when we mention the word meditation, people go instantly into, oh my God, I can't do that. It's too difficult. And it's probably something, you know, I, I still encounter that people think of it as a bad thing. Well, let, let me um, explain a little bit about meditation. There are several kinds of meditation, and many people think when we mention the word meditation that it's somehow woo-woo, new-agey, uh, yeah. out on some spiritual plane. And for some people, it, it can be that. But basically with meditation, we are calming the nervous system. We're calming the mind. And there are three types of meditation. There is a guided meditation where someone takes you through a guided image that in a sense starts to calm calm one's body and mind down. There's breath work where you're focused on your breathing and you're just really listening to your breath and getting yourself into a calm place. There's a mantra-based meditation where you're focusing on a word that's either given to you by your teacher or one that you choose yourself, that when you come back to that word, all it does is draw attention from the mind slipping away. So you're, one is fully in control when one is meditating, and that is another myth, that somehow people think that it is hypnotic or that we're giving control of our minds to someone or something else. No, no, you're fully in charge when you meditate. The goal is relaxation. And for many, it, can, it, it, it works. For some people, it doesn't work. And then I, I offer um, for consideration that there are other types of moving meditation, such as walking or gardening you know, um, listening to music, being anything that can take you into that space of relaxation that engages you in the present moment is a form of meditation or mindfulness. Absolutely. I really like that you just explained that for the listeners because, like you said, I always get the, <clears throat> especially in Vancouver, people say, oh, it's just new age. <laughs> We're not starting. Oh, it's old age. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> thousands of years old. <laughs> It is. It definitely is. So one of the things that I saw in your bio that really struck me, too, is the heart factor. Um, I feel that, especially in corporates, we only think with the mind and we really don't think with the heart. Would you say that's because we're money-driven society? 
Well, I think that the, the economics plays somewhat into it, but because when we think with the heart or when we lead with the heart, um, we automatically think that we're mushy, that somehow that we're soft and we're not being pragmatic. So I offer up that we think with three H's. We think with our head, which is the brain, of course. We think with our heart, and we think with the, the hara, H-A-R-A. And the hara is the gut or the intuitive side of ourselves. And we also don't often pay enough attention to that part. And we all possess it. This, is not a, this too, is not a woo-woo concept. You know, the hara or the gut is something age old where we say, you know, trust your gut, listen to your uh, internal compass when it speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. I really agree. But it's easy for me to say because I, I feel that you can't do anything without putting your heart out there first. But again, didn't you mention er earlier that means risk for a lot of people? It means risk. And I'll use another word that is something that uh, we most shy away from vulnerability vulnerability yes i guess we do all of us do but i think that you know i mean if i look at the divorce rate which i don't know the statistic offhand right now in the united states but again it's just like the consumer we buy an iphone and then we throw it away when it doesn't work i have a feeling that we do with relationships quite often the same thing. Would you, would you agree in what you're teaching? Did you see that too? Uh, yes. Yes and no. Look, if somebody okay. is married to uh, a, a partner who is doing destructive behavior, is unwilling to recognize and take responsibility for his or her behavior that is destroying the relationship, the family dynamic, it's time to leave because it takes two people to really create that solid relationship. But at the same time, for, the, uh, for those of us who are engaged in relationships where we're saying, ah, you know, it's, it's fine, it's not great, you know, but I'm here and I have a family, um, you know, and I'm too lazy to change or too frightened to change. The other side of it is, have you done the work on yourself? The first place to look is in the mirror. So when discontent uh, presents itself, that's the first stop. And most of us, almost all of us, don't want to acknowledge that, that it, it's the reflection in the mirror first. And once we dissect that and get into the meat of that, you know, what's disturbing me, what's making me uncomfortable, and what am I willing to do to change the situation? Because it does require a doing. Absolutely. You know? but, but I think that's where we're stuck each time because people really don't want to look in the mirror. It's a hard place to look sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> It is, but you get so much out of it afterwards when you've done it, though. Well, it's not as scary once you confront it. No, it definitely isn't. And like I told you during the commercial break, I, I always like the word might. Like you said, Hara, I, yes. I find that might is your Hara. Mm. Oh, me. I like that. Gabriella, I like that. Okay. The mighty horror. <laughs> yeah, because when, again, I speak in so many, I speak more in schools than in corporations, although I do both. And I always say that that might in you will get you to use your heart, will get you. It's, it, it's that right and wrong little thing, and you just do it automatically and just go out there and do it. And it doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't turn out the way you always wanted to. Something else comes along that's just great. Just like you said, you stumbled along being a filmmaker. Mm. But you stumble along in it because you opened up 
to the possibility of doing that and not being scared. Well, possibility is, is that it's the pregnant moment. Yeah, absolutely. I try to teach the children to go from a negative place into a positive space. Mm. And which I just think is possible in less than five minutes. If you're aided by someone who looks positive at life instead of judging and criticizing you. Indeed, and this is the beauty and value of mentors, and we all need them, no matter how uh, together we believe we are. We all need support. We all need support. But you know what I find the hardest thing to do, myself too, is to ask for it. it, it of course. I, I just finished writing a, a blog for a um, business uh, website, and they had asked me to talk about you know, my tips for business coming from the happiness expert perspective. And this was one of the first things that I wrote. Don't be afraid to ask for help, especially women. Because women, uh, we, women, we think we can do it all and we should do it all. And by asking for the help that we're somehow weak or less than. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Because then again, because we're weak, we feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to take a commercial break. And we'll be right back on the point of vulnerability. I think we have a lot to say about that. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host, Jordan Kimmel, is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. 
please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. And everyone, we're back here with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and happiness is an inside job. Lisa, um, the vulnerability area, I really want to touch on that because I think that when we're vulnerable, we're so afraid to actually go forward, but I think that's the best space to be in to go forward. Well, the vulnerability uh, is, is the window. You know, that is the portal because it's in those vulnerable, vulnerable moments, if we're willing to take that little bit of risk, whether it's risking something about ourselves that we want to share or risking to do something that we do not necessarily think is possible, possible, but we are willing to step out there into the possibility. I think that's the power of vulnerability. And, you know, none of us is that different at the end of the day. We will all go through challenges. We will all have hardships and we all have the opportunity for joy. Do you feel, though, that vulnerability is when, when we expose ourselves like that, we're afraid of the reaction, the expectation of the other person? Indeed. It's, it's the, uh, the fear of what the, how the other person will respond to us and fear of our own failure. You know, that if we are vulnerable, if we let our guard down, if we choose to um, show the dark sides of ourselves, what we believe to be the dark side, that somehow will be unwanted, undesirable, disrespected, made fun of um, by others and compromise ourselves in the process even further. I always found that if you do it, and especially if, it's, if you do it when you're young, I find that, first of all, you get used to doing it real quickly, but your friends around you actually start doing it too with you because... You've opened up. They'll open up back to you. Yes, and the, the vulnerability builds intimacy. And at the end of the day, these good, intimate, interpersonal, connected relationships is the cornerstone of happiness. There, there are no happy hermits. Yes, we all retreat for periods of time in our life when we need solace and we need to regroup. But good relationships is key. It's essential to our well-being, to our being able to thrive. Yeah. I always say that expectations are the killer of relationships. Yes, they are. Throw those out the door, we'd be in great shape. (laughs) Well, the expectation is going back to that future fantasy. What we think we want from from life or someone else, from some situation, is, is what's going on in the future. In the present moment, none of that exists. So if we're able to uh, eliminate the expectation, which is a challenge and an exercise unto itself, we will be happier. Wow. Okay. I have a question from someone else that asked me to ask you this. Outside of meditation, how does one change their negative thinking if we can't do it through meditation? Ah, well, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe that meditation will change the negative thinking. The meditation is a useful tool for stress release and anxiety release. But okay. changing the, ne- the negative thinking uh, comes from reprogramming ourselves. You know, it's a, tr- it's a training process. You know, I, I, I liken it to losing weight. We all know what to do to lose weight, right? 
Mm-hmm. Every single one of us. You ask anybody, any country, any, in any language around the world, everybody says you have to shut your mouth and move your feet, right? You have to watch <laughs> what you eat and move your body. I hate to be, you know, it's a truth bomb, but it's true. You know, we all know, no matter how big or small we are, every one of us knows what to do. And yep. the same thing applies for that negative loop. You know, we get ourselves into that negative loop about expecting bad things to happen or thinking bad things about life or somebody else, which is just toxic. And the only way to stop it is to decide to reprogram yourself. So you do that in several ways. There's some very simple ways, creating affirmations that you, that you write or finding inspirational material that others have written and committing to reading it, repeating it, having it around the house, having it on your iPhone as a note, having it show up on a daily basis in your uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. Having it um, be part of your email signature that you send out, you know, is, is part of your, your stamp, something that you w- resonates for you that you want to um, anchor in your thinking. These are very, very simple ways to help reprogram, remap that negative thinking. But when you are around toxic people, you kind of stay in, in, in that slump, no? It just kind of keeps going. Um, yes, people who are toxic so, have the ability to infect us with their toxicity. That's absolutely true. And so then do you have to rem- sorry, do you have to remove yourself from these people? Sometimes you need to take a little vacation from the, from that person. <laughs> you know, that. say, I, I, I am not going to be around this person because they're not good for my well-being. They're not good for my health. Another way of handling it is to lead by example to not be that person. And oftentimes when we get in a space where there are toxic people or negative people, we join forces with them as opposed to um, standing our ground and choosing to show up differently. But I think it, what, what is so difficult is the reaction. You, I mean, the whole life for most people is action-reaction to everything. Yes, but we're also leaders. True. You know, we, we have the ability to take the lead with our emotions. And, and this is very interesting because people think that we cannot control our emotions. And the reality of it is we have so little control over what happens out there in life that the only thing we truly have control over is our emotions. It works actually in reverse. Yeah. Wow. Could you repeat that once more? Because I want the listeners to really hear that. Well, we, we, we like to think that um, we are in control of our destiny and we're really, we, we are in control of our reactions. So let me say this a little bit in a little bit different way, that we, we think that life, uh, we can be in control of life. We can only be in control to how we relate to life. So when things happen in, in life that we may or may not like, we, we believe that it is out of our, we believe we can control it in some way. It's out of our control. What somebody else does is out of our control. What circumstances do that are outside of our control, we can't change. But we can control our relationship to our emotions. We can control what we are thinking. And we can do that by, by reprogramming, like I mentioned, in, in very simple ways. And it also comes down to a choice. It goes back to the tagline of happiness is an inside job or working with our might, you know, and feeling very empowered that we will control what we can and surrender what we can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. How do, how do you, what is your advice um, on 
I lost my train of thought there. What is your advice in if you had a case in front of you with someone who knows that they're in control to change it, but they still feel stuck in the negativity? Well, I would ask them what they're afraid of. You know, oftentimes it's very helpful to play out the negative future fantasy to the absolute end. You know, to, to spiral completely out of control with what the worst case scenario could be or would be. The layers, you know, if I uh, break up with this person, I'll be alone. Well, and then if you take it another layer, if I break up with this person, I'll be alone. And maybe I won't meet anybody else and maybe I'll be alone. To take it a little bit deeper, if I break up with per this person, I'll be alone. Maybe I won't meet anybody else and I will die alone. I'll never have another partner again, which is, is a preposterous future leap. We don't know that. Most likely, you won't be alone. But it's something that we do as human nature. We go to the worst place when the worst thing, in fact, will not happen. And when we can laugh at it, you know, sort of deconstruct what our fears are and have the ability to laugh at it and take comfort that it is not a realistic uh, expectation, then oftentimes we can proceed forward and, and move on to the next thing. Yep, absolutely. So it really holds people back fear. I, I always talk about that fear. And you said it in another word, you said numbness, and I call it comatose. Hmm. Two factors, because I used to be a nurse in another lifetime. Wow. <laughs> a long time ago. And one of the beauties of coma is you hear everything, but you've tuned out. I mean, if you really think about it. And well, most people that I talk to, you know, it's like when you cross the halls in a corporate office, how are you today? And you answer, no, I'm not fine at all. That person is already down the hall because it didn't even want to hear what you had to say. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so you, you just live your life with this fear of, well, nobody really cares anyway what I do or don't do. Well, let's let 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 me just be the devil's advocate for yeah. a minute. What would what would happen if we agreed, just for, for the sake of this conversation, that nobody actually cared what we did? How would that shift how we behave in life? Does that mean that we still throw all of our good behaviors, all of the good desires that we have, all of our good intentions out the window? I think not. I think that we conduct ourselves uh, through right action because it actually serves us selfishly first. And the byproduct is how it affects others in our world. Yep, I agree. I would, well, I have to live with my heart on my sleeve and I have to keep trying. You touched upon failure earlier when we talked about vulnerability, mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear more about it. Well, uh, vulnerability, the ability to be open and be real, first with yourself. You know, we often think that vulnerability is um, geared towards the outside world, but it's actually an experience of ourselves that we have about ourselves when we're going through something, you know, getting really real with what's going on and wearing our heart on our sleeves, as you said, for ourselves first and then being willing to share it with others without concern for how it's received, that just being able to express it in a respectful, kind way, of course, is, is enough. Okay. But when we have failures, for example, right, 
And I'm just going to take my own personal life. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of the box compared to the rest of my family. So they always would say, you know, try to do this because you'll fail at that. And I'm the person that kind of goes, well, I'd like to try first. I'd like to try to do it anyway. I can't conform. Let me try and fail and then learn something out of it. Well, that's what I call the fun of failure. You know, that when we allow ourselves to... Uh to not succeed, that we're willing to take the risk, which again goes back to something that we spoke earlier on in the show of, which is, you know, being willing to step out there and, 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 and take a risk. And uh, with the risk comes the willingness to fail and the acceptance that if I fail, there's going to be a lesson learned or I will be course corrected, that something else will come out of that failure that I can benefit from. Wow. What do you think of the word conformity when you hear it? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect, Lisa. That was the answer. I think all the listeners understood that. Uh, conformity, you know, why conform? I feel that that's how you lose yourself and your heart. Yeah, the authentic, you know, showing up authentic, authentically for life is essential. And there is a certain amount of conformity in that, that we all know that when we behave with integrity, that we operate with kindness and compassion and empathy, and we are not at war with ourselves or at war with our words against others, that that in, in of itself is a sense of conformity because we have an agreement that we're going to behave in a certain way because th that behavior will lead us to a happier, more contented life. So conformity from that side, I, I get and I understand and I, and I agree with. But conformity yeah. as to how, you know, the rule book of how we get there, I say you sing even if you can't carry a tune, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have one more question for you, which doesn't really have to do with all the subjects we're talking about. But I keep talking to people about their invisible constraints, and I would love your take on that. The invisible constraints are, first of all, created by us, but they're also created through our environment and other people that we've listened to. And out of these constraints, you can get into such a negative space, again, that you don't know how to basically cut them. Well, it, it's interesting because the invisible constraints are very much environmental. And we are the products of our environment as well as how we are nurtured. But here's the good thing. At the end of the day, it's how we learn to nurture ourselves that can remove those constraints. And uh, not leaving us in a position to not be bound by what society tells us to do or what we think society tells us what to do. Okay. Well, I have next to me sitting a lady, which is my manager. She always listens to my radio show. And I just love that you said nurture yourself, right? But she wrote down on a piece of paper here. So we would do well to fall in love with ourselves and then spread that love. Yes, give her a kiss. <laughs> I'll do that That's after. the quote of the day, the affirmation of the day. So you know? I, think, I think I really like this. You know, I'll repeat it just for the listeners. So we would do well to fall in love with ourselves and then spread that love. I think she's already doing that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have something. There's a sort of shyness in, in my upbringing that we weren't supposed to fall in love with ourselves. We were supposed to do for others, especially women. Yes. 
And in that, in that rigid part of doing that, I feel till about 20, I would say, that I lost totally sight of who I was because I was nurturing others and not myself. But here's the interesting thing about nurturing others, that we cannot actually nurture others well without learning how to do it first with ourselves. We think we, think we can, you know, but it really is about that self-love. And I don't mean this in sort of a group hug kind of way, but really about taking good care of ourselves on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a spiritual level. That's the kind of love that I'm speaking of that is really comes down to respect. And if we can't do that for ourselves, how can we possibly do that for another? Yeah. I talk about acceptance. If you can't accept who you are and what you are, the rest of the world can't either. Yeah. And so you will see negative things happen around you nonstop until you make that shift. And my question, one of my last questions to you, and then we'll go into where they can find your link and all that stuff. One of the last questions I have for you is, I just had it. Oh, my God. I'm thinking about so many things. Sorry, Lisa. Oh, I just had it. No, no, no. Not nurture yourself. Ah, ah. Boo, Gabriella. Um, let me think. One second. It was not a letdown. Oh, yes, of course. The Hara. The Hara, yes. Is there a way that you can say in one sentence how people can connect to their own Hara? Yes. I think that it comes from being able to be still for a minute that we are not used to being still. We're thought of stillness as being idle and idle being malingering or not really being effective in our work or in life. And in fact, that it is really required to be still for a minute to listen to the hara. The hara can't come into play if there's a lot of noise or static in our orbit. Yeah. You can't hear it. I... What can I say? I love you, Lisa. I, would like <laughs> I love you, Gabriella. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Uh, I would say, when can you be on next? <laughs> Call me. I'll be there. I show up. You know, and this, this is so useful for people, you know, because I think that if they see that it's actually truly simplistic and that they just have to do this, and if they did it, they'd see the results immediately. Their life changes. The relief is immediate from these <laughs> mindful practices. I, I have to say that. And, you know, there's another question I would love to pose to your yes. listeners because I, I use this in my workshops. And when I teach, I often uh, lecture at universities. And, and now I'm beginning to lecture in medical schools, which I love that I'm being called in to um, share about applied positive psychology in medicine. I, yeah. You know, and the question is, how do you make love to life? By romancing the world? I don't know. It's different for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I just answered spontaneously. By romancing the world, but it's, it's about, you know, I think, that mindful process of really being aware how we're showing up for life, how we're presenting ourselves, how we're either contributing or contract uh, or uh, detracting from the collective energy that is going on, you know, in, in any space and time. You know, are we, are we a, a benefit to our environment or are we a Debbie Downer? 
and we don't want to be Debbie Downer. I, most of us, you know, some people are perfectly content being miserable. They're happy being miserable, and that's okay. They get the choice to do that. Yep, that's true too, but they shouldn't take everyone down around them. Correct. Yeah. So um, for all the listeners out there, uh, please take Lisa's advice and um, send this segment to your friends because I think it's really worth it to know that you have to live in the now and that happiness is right there, not around the corner, but inside of you. Lisa, I want to give you the chance to, first of all, tell everyone once more your workshops, your link, um, the military workshop, where they can download your documentary. You can go to harvestinghappiness.com. In fact, please join me there. There are all kinds of tools and resources there. There are videos. There are inspirational quotes that you can click and take, uh, a free ebook called Got Happiness Now. There's a boutique called Shop Happy there. You can find all the products there for the military work, the nonprofit, which is a 501c3 uh, recognized nonprofit by the IRS at hh, the number four, heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S dot org. And there you can be directed to Reboot, which is our online free six-week coaching program that starts on Wednesday, May 22nd. And the second group will launch in June. So please, to all of the military men and women out there, if you are suffering, if you're challenged by combat trauma, please join us there. It's at no charge to you, and it would be our honor to serve you in thanks for your service to our country. And thank you so much, Lisa, for being on my show. I enjoyed it immensely, and I'm sure the listeners did too. Oh, um, me too. Continue spreading that happiness and continue getting people out of a negative space into a positive place. Thank you, Gabrielle. It was a pleasure being with you. A big cyber hug to you. (laughs) Big cyber hug to you too. Thank you very much for being on the show and I will be in touch with you. Great. Have a beautiful weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Mind Radio Show. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.